Iowa everywhere. What is up? Welcome to well, this is the first official episode of Miller and Williams. Well, there's two two things. A, first you're right. It, it it is the first official. When we did this, when we did a podcast together, what a week ago, you know, we weren't letting cats out of bags, which is a horrible euphemism or saying, by the way. Who who would put a cat in the bag, frankly, uh, except for some sicko? Number two, I don't know why it's Miller and Williams. I told you should be Williams and Miller. And this I don't makes think it me, matters. It well, doesn't, it, doesn't it, it, it doesn't. You're the one doing all the work. I am a supporting supporting <laughs> role in this endeavor, and I'm, I'm very happy with that. So you're the one busting your tail. You guys are kicking all kinds of tail. So, uh, yes, Maiden Voyage, here we go. Well, thanks, man. No, I, it's been a really good week. It's been a lot of work. I this. Bet. Yeah, piecing all this together the last two, three weeks has been a lot. But now we're kind of – we just got to get some advertisers. So Right, right. Mm. Hit, hit us up. Speaking hit us up. Which, uh, this uh, Casey's come and go should be you, all right? It, it should not be a, a, an Oklahoma-based company. I don't really know why I'm having anything to do with that, but they make good beverages. But so you quick trip in Casey's. So this yeah, space – could be yours, all right? We got a lot of space. We got a lot of space to get rid of. Look uh, around. I got I got Beatles bobbleheads <laughs> up there. I could replace. I mean, I can put anything on the wall. I, can I put actually. A, you know. It's funny too. Speaking of space, so the 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 pilot episode we did. Um, one of my really good subscribers. I don't want him to think that I'm making light of him, but he he reached out and was like, "Hey, uh, you know, Miller's wearing a Hawkeye hat, and you weren't wearing anything cycling. You're gonna get a lot of feedback from that." And I was like, "Ah." Here we go. So then I put on my cyclone shirt today, and you're, you're rocking the Royals. So I, I, I got to be honest. I mean, yeah. I I put on the Hawkeye stuff on purpose last week. Most of my Iowa gear is like long sleeved, and it's still like ninety yeah. and you know swamp ass in Kansas City. Um, but I I was a Royals fan before I was knew what a Hawkeye was, and my affinity for the city I live in, Kansas City. There's no place on earth that I would rather call home. Now, I know that might make some people here. Well, what about you grew up in Iowa? I did, doesn't mean I don't love Iowa. doesn't mean I don't love my time in West Branch and West Des Moines and Des Moines. I do and I did. But Kansas City for me, ever since a little kid, has always been this mythical place where the Royals lived. And um, unfortunately, cool. 20, 28 of the last 32 years, my favorite baseball team has finished under 500. But we do have a, you know. A world championship so anyway. it's a hell of a run there when they it was when good, they went good to two-year run playoffs. yeah, yeah it yes. was that was a lot of fun that even brought me back from my old days of <laughs> listening to denny matthews in my grandparents house yeah yeah absolutely um, sure couldn't listen to the braves on the radio in southwestern iowa no but you watched them every week on tbs i didn't need the radio that was it yeah every yeah. day you, every day the braves were on it didn't matter who they were playing or when yeah so listen we're gonna do the standard what people would expect during football season a lot of hawks clones big 10 big 12 right. you and me out we are big picture guys though with college athletics and the business and th this was a busy week we do want this to be a really nice show for people when they're driving to kinnick stadium and driving to jack tri stadium on saturday so we're going to try right. and keep this like a weekend preview type deal and not get mm -hmm. too timely um 
So, yeah, we'll we'll get after it. You're going to do your post game analysis pieces on Sundays. We have Ben Bruns doing that for Iowa State, which is a awesome pickup for us. Ben's a phenomenal analyst, so we'll have two yeah. podcasts on on Sundays with you and him. We don't want this to be like a high pressure deal for you guys. So there's not like I just want to be clear with the audience. If it's not there by noon, don't freak out. We're going to have a Hawkeye and Cyclone analysis piece posted by Sunday. So you can look forward to more of John's analysis there. Where do you want to start, John? Do you want to start with the games or do you want to start with the busy week in college athletics? Wednesday, I was actually in Iowa City. I was at the University of Iowa at the the Children's Hospital there. And all this crap broke with the Big 12. Uh, with not realignments, I would call it rumors. I wouldn't call anything that we got necessarily right. news, but supposedly, according to Brett McMurphy, Washington had its meeting with the Big Ten. Oregon's already had a meeting with the Big Ten. Where do you want to start, games or the business stuff? Let's start with the business, then we'll end with the games. Because honestly, for for big, whether you're an Iowa or an Iowa State fan listening to this, this what Chris is just talking about, and what we'll talk about here in a few seconds is definitely directly germane to both football programs and basketball programs, but both football programs. So let's start there because I mean, that's a sea change type of, of, of thing. And, and we don't have any games yet to dissect and talk about. We'll, we'll do some preview stuff, but let's talk about the business aspect first. Okay. So it was actually ESPN Pete Thamel that reported that the big 12 had opened up its media rights negotiations. Well, actually Fox and ESPN had opened these up with the big 12. Um, you might know that the Pac-12 has done this uh, shortly after UCLA and USC announced that they were going to the Big Ten. A Big 12 source told me yesterday, John, I, I was just like, okay, like kind of annoyed because it's like two days before the season. I'm like, just right, want to talk about right. the games. Right. Uh, I go, what do I make of this? And the source basically just wrote me back. It was very simple. The one advantage they've had on us is that they've had real numbers that they could take to their constituents, and and we don't. Now we've negated that advantage for them. The mm-hmm. Big 12 believes that it's going to get very favorable numbers compared to what people would have thought a year ago when Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were going to the SEC. The Big 12, um, you know, they've got people who analyze this on their behalf, right? Their, their new commissioner, I mean, basically just said, he goes, my whole point in being here is to maximize revenue. It was actually quite refreshing when Brett Yormark at Big 12 Media Days was talking like this is a business and not you didn't hear like the constant references to the well-being of the student athlete, because frankly, that's a farce. Right. UCLA wouldn't be going to the Big Ten if if that was all that they they cared about. Let's just call it what it is. So the Big 12 is can officially sit down with ESPN and Fox, who own their media rights now. And so what does this mean exactly? We'll find out, but my theory is that the Big Ten's additions of UCLA and USC next year are really important. That's a really important piece here because Texas and Oklahoma are not slated to go to the SEC until 2025. The SEC and ESPN want to speed this up. Right, They want to be even with Fox and the Big Ten. And from what I'm hearing, the Big 12 is pretty – confident that they're going to get paid a premium to let Texas and Oklahoma out of their rights agreement early. SEC can get moving down that road. They're finally, you know, they're right there lockstep with Fox and and the big 10. 
And then the Big 12 is going to benefit from this because they're probably going to make a little bit more money than they thought that they would. That's my read on this whole thing from afar. Uh, the whole Oregon-Washington thing throws a wrinkle into everything because I don't really right, right. know. You're right. more in tune to that than I am. What, what do you think based on how I just laid it out? So I, I want to make sure that I have something correct before I go. Pete Thamel, you said, is the one that you saw posted. And Pete Thamel is with which media outlet? ESPN now. There you go. Okay. So Pete Thamel of ESPN makes that post, right? Says that they're looking to potentially have conversations of entering into uh, a negotiation with the Big 12 ahead of the next negotiation window. Obviously, this is not standard operational procedure. It, you know, I'm a big Occam's razor guy. I taught both my girls Occam's razor probably before they could run. And that is a simple philosophical approach to things. The simplest explanation is often the correct explanation. And it serves me well in every endeavor in life. The simplest explanation is Pete Thamel wouldn't have just posted that in a vacuum, right? He works for ESPN, Correct. right? Yeah. This was a political purpose pitch. The SEC, as you said, has every incentive to get Oklahoma and Texas there earlier than later. They had that incentive prior to USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. It's even more of a burning thing now. Is it that important in the grand scheme of things? It's not. But from a pride standpoint and a keeping up with the Big Ten, the SEC doesn't think they keep up with the Big Ten. They think the Big Ten keeps up with them. All right, mm -hmm, let them mm -hmm. have let them have their uh, their um, phallic symbol uh, contest. I realize there could be children listening, so I'm making sure to use yeah. proper terminology. Let them have that contest. That's fine. You can say whoever leads, whoever follows, whatever. But the SEC saw the money, and. The SEC also, they don't get to renegotiate for like what? The Big Ten gets to go back to bid before the SEC does. Unless Correct. unless ESPN chooses to redraw its contract with the SEC, they're under no compulsion to do so. And certainly it's not to their financial benefit to do so. And these are times where um, those types of things matter. So Chris, Occam's Razor tells me there's a lot of legs to this that ESPN would like for it to happen. And you are correct. The only way this happens is if the Big 12 gets paid. The Big 12, you know, gets that contract breaking type volume. It'd probably be a settlement. It'll probably be mm -hmm. a number, a number lower than what it would be to outright break it. But that will be offset by maybe a better television package offering from ESPN and everybody gets paid and everybody wins. To me, that's what's going to happen. It makes the most sense. So I think there's a lot to what uh, was said yesterday. It was a purpose pitch. It was a trial balloon. It was intentional. And I think ultimately the Big 12 is going to get paid. They are going to be on better financial footing than anybody dreamed about a year ago when OU and Texas left. And you made a great point. The Pac-12, they, not the Big 12, the Big 12 is Rasputin. The Pac-12 is dead. They're dead conference walking. I don't see any way around it. Yeah, and so from the ESPN standpoint, too, like they, we've read a lot about this. They want to keep the late-night time slot available to them. So, that, I mean, this could really be a deal, too, where the Pac-12's existence has been important to ESPN, more so mm -hmm. than like NBC or CBS was never going to put a Pac-12 game on at 1030 at night. Right. Like no. they have 
Saturday Night Live. They have other programming. They have all their other stuff going on. ESPN needs that slot. This could be a way for the ESPN to keep some of that, right? Like, in and that's some of it. where if now the Big 12 can say, well, okay, this is what you project with us, us 12. What if we added the four corner schools? And now they can get real projections, and then they can go to Arizona and say, well, this is what you would make here. Right. Where two weeks ago it was all couldn't do that. That wasn't – I mean, you could. You had projections, but it wasn't real. Now you have real data. So that will be interesting now to see how aggressive Brett Yormark is on that behalf. Right. W- would you say, Chris, that ESPN has proven to maybe negotiate not in the best of faith at times to only serve their best interests? you think that's fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. So why why couldn't Mr. Yormark have a uh, off the record conversation and codicil in these discussions saying, hey, here's what we get now is 12. You know, the 12, you know who we are. What if we were to maybe add four schools that rhymed with Barramona, (laughs) Brolicato and this? Can we just have a little uh, what 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 is the. you know, the amp, an amplifier clause, an escalation clause in the contract that if schools that meet X, Y, Z criteria, the number of our contract goes up pro rata. Mm-hmm. I think that will happen. I absolutely think that will happen. And I think, you know, I think I heard you talking about this before anybody, maybe you ripped it off from somebody else. Maybe it was an original thought. Um, I, I think the four corner schools to the, the big 12 is, is fate accompli. I think it's going to happen. I, though the thing I would point out too, and we'll do your Occam's razor thing here. So I don't think I've, I don't think I've bounced this off of you yet. And this could just be random. You've been in this business a long time though. I want to bounce this off of you. When Brett, your Mark was introduced as the next commissioner of the big 12, they did mm-hmm. their press release where it's all these people like quoting, like, Oh, I've worked with him forever. He's really bright. Right. Like right. just it's PR. Mm-hmm. There was a like one of the first ones they put out was from the executive director at Fox Sports about an ongoing relationship with the Big 12. I've worked with Brett Yormark for 10 years. He's phenomenal. We can't wait to grow this relationship even more. There wasn't anything from a partnership at in ESPN with that. There's an aspect of this that I really like for the Big 12. And I read into that. I read into that. Like I I really did. I thought that. I thought that they hired your mark for media rights. Clearly that you don't just randomly put the Fox guy in there and then nothing from ESPN. If I'm Fox, I look at this and say, I could weaken my rival by, you know, bidding up this big 12 thing and getting more rights to these late night games. Because if you take away 50% of the PAC 12, John, or 60% of it would be after Fox just got, UCLA and USC because the big 10 has nothing to do with the big 10 anymore. If we could now get, you know, 50% of the games from the four corner schools as well, ESPN's late night programming, the big 12 or the PAC 12 after dark, that has become a brand of its own in college football is substantially weakened. Even if you're splitting that with them. And Mm -hmm. I don't, am I reading, do I have a tinfoil hat on here? So a tinfoil hat. There's an old adage also that I'll go, when you get old like me, you start to accumulate adages, right? Um, We tend to often see what we shine our lights on. If we're looking for something or if something is going to be naturally 
positive for us or create optimism in us in a situation mm -hmm. that you'd like to find optimism, you're going to find it. Now, I'm not saying you're wrong that the Fox executives comments relative to your Mac is something. I'm not saying that's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and I also instantly think, well, I'm not sure that the Big 12 is going to be reaching out to ESPN anytime soon looking for glowing commentary relative to what Mr. Bowlesby basically said about <laughs> them a year ago. Okay. Valid. ESPN's Valid. maybe not the person that we're reaching for yeah. comments for. So Valid. to me, let's just let's let's hypothetically, and I'm not pissing on your thoughts, but let's That's hypothetically fine. just set that aside. Let's say that doesn't exist. Okay. I think a a bigger um, crux is this. Is Fox full? Have they, do they feel like they are done feeding at the trough, right? They own 61% of the Big Ten network. They have the best cut and slice and choice meats from the Big Ten pie in the new Big Ten contract. But what you bring up, the late night window, is only becoming more valuable. And why is that becoming more valuable? It's not because there's a national clamoring for Pac-12 or Pacific uh, Northwest football. No. It's for gambling. Oh, gambling yeah. is why that window is very valuable. Because gambling is only, I mean, gambling is now legal in more than 50 more than 50% of the states in the country, maybe more than 60%. Kansas, it actually is legal today. So I'm, I, I got to drive nine miles down the road to get over the border and I can get down if I want to get down here. So gambling's the reason that that Pac-12 after dark or the late night window is valuable and mm -hmm. becoming more valuable. Is Fox full? If Fox is full, if they have shot their budgets relative to what they want to spend on live sports, then yeah, it's going to be ESPN. But if you're the Big 12... You hope that it's not full because I think the Big 12 and Big 10 can own that window. A new Big 12 can own that window. And Fox, to me, seems like somebody that would be bidding for that unless they've spent all the money they want to allocate. Because as I told you, I think that the four corner schools will be in the Big 16, whatever it is. Um, and I'm not knocking that. Obviously, the Big 10 has a mathematical problem, too. Mm -hmm. And I think... Oregon and Washington, which we'll talk more about that here in a second. I think, I think it's almost a guarantee they're going to wind up in the Big Ten, along with probably at least one other school from the Pacific Pac-12 region. Stanford so between the, uh, probably Stanford, maybe both actually, and then you the, and then you bring in Notre Dame and you've got twenty-one, which means you can have seven, seven, and seven anyway. So Notre Dame, that's, I don't think. I think you got at least a decade before that. That's happens. fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, piss on them, frankly. Um, I've been. My point is, I Notre think you could be Big at 10 since 1998. 20. Right. Yeah. Even 20. And you're good. Yeah. You're good for yeah. a long time. Whether Notre Dame does what it, Notre Dame can do what they want to do. Everyone in the Big Ten is getting paid. That's what I think is happening. Four existing Pac-12 properties in the Big Ten. Four existing Pac-12 properties to the Big 12. Who does? I mean, that's it. You, you won't. It can be scheduled. So that there's always a West Western after dark game, probably potentially from both leagues mm -hmm. that could go back to back eight and 10 PM and they'll own it. 
and one network right now, there's only one network in position to own that time slot. And it's not ESPN. No. It's Fox. Because Fox has the Big Ten, the USC. So I I I would not. So going back to what you talked about with that executive from Fox talking about mm-hmm. Yormac, I don't know that that is necessarily a smoke signal. But I think before all said and done, Fox's participation is not something that should be overlooked. You want to hear something? This but is... if ESPN's, ESPN can't – this isn't an open negotiation window, so that still would take some time down the road. This is a tinfoil hat one, but this is somebody that somebody else threw this out to me that Kevin Warren's pretty bullish comments on expansion. The the theory was so the theory is that your Mark and Warren have been pretty friendly behind the scenes. A little bromance. Because they have mutual interests in regards to the Pac twelve. And this theory was thrown out to me that um Warren may have just tossed out some of that language to further destabilize the Pac-12 to help some of those schools end up in the Big 12 for Fox's gain. Little game theory, yeah. I, right. I actually, I mean, again, the the more the more parties that are involved and the more layers of conspiracy or or can you know everybody working together, you get farther away from believability for me doesn't mean that things like that can't happen kevin warren throwing out a few verbal uh, bombs to destabilize the pac-12 to help somebody else to help fox maybe fox asked him for a solid i can see that well and then the theory that was given to me is that again this is it's kind of out there but the Big Ten doesn't want to single-handedly look like it just killed off a Power Five conference. I don't doubt that for a second. So if Warren right so now snobby. would just – if Warren right now would just say, okay, I'm taking Washington, Oregon, and State, then they just killed the Pac-12. But if the Big 12 now goes and takes the four-corner schools, well, now the Big Ten's just picking up the pieces, right? Yeah. It, it's viewed differently in a, in a legal sense. I buy that more than I, I buy that uh, because that that fits the Big Ten's historical uh, modus operandi. That's who they are. They're snobby. Um, they think they're better than everyone, and they probably do care about the optics of that. That you know, there's enough people in the academic side that probably care about that. The athletic people don't care. Why would you care? We're, we're, we're competitors. We, that's the world we live in. But on the academic side, you're talking about AAU members. You're talking, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about collegial collaboration on academic endeavors. And I think that's where the nerves come in. So that's where the president's voices may have more of uh, more weight. I don't doubt that. I'm not saying I'd bet on the horse, but it, it, that to me fits within something I can accept as a possibility. Okay, before you, you, we move you, you on, might, to... you might you might you might guess that I'm not really big into QAnon. I don't really go for conspiracy. <laughs> I'm more of a. Did you know I went ghost hunting this weekend? I saw the pill last weekend. I I you I used to not Pretty believe intense. that. And by the way, for those listening right now, Chris and I are going to do a, at least a once a month show on non sports yes, related things. I can't wait. And ghosts are going to happen. UFOs are going to happen. 
Um, probably some politics and religion are going to happen. And I'm looking forward to all of it. So I used to like really dismiss ghosts, but um, maybe we can talk about this in our first one. You want me to bring I, in um, Velisca Johnny? He's the, he oversees the Axe Murder House. He's a, he's like a worldwide known paranormal investigator. Okay. Is he a good friend of yours? I wouldn't call him a good friend, but my dad fertilizes the Axe Murder House. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, Williams Lawn Service, you know, six degrees of six degrees of bacon friendship. If you fertilize the Axe Murderer's house, I think that's a true story here. Friendship. My dad. So Johnny, Johnny and I are, this is a couple years ago and we're texting. I used to try and do a Halloween special when Ross and I were on KXNO. Yeah. Cause Ross is a skeptic and he's a dick about it. Like he's not even, he doesn't even try and like humor it. Like he's a total yeah. dick about it. Right. So I, I like from time to time would bring like these ghost hunters in these local like paranormal investigators. And I'd always have to tell Ross, like, be nice. Like you can't just, you can't invite these guys here and then just make fun of them for an hour. Well, Hauser, like that's a big get. So getting Johnny Hauser, Felisca Johnny locked in for the show. I mean, college football terms, it's like you're getting Dabo Sweeney. We just booked Dabo Sweeney, okay? It's a big deal. And he texts me about an hour before the show, and he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I got to bail. I, ju- I got to g- jump on a plane right now to California. There's this kid. He's getting scratched in his crib. Gotta get, I got to get over there. This, I mean, this poor toddler was being physically right. tortured Assaulted. by a spirit. Right. Yeah. There was a movie in the 1980s where a spirit was able to physically manifest um, torture and rape. Um, It was based on, I don't know if it was based on a true story or based on, uh, you know, somebody's depiction. I am at the point now where I'm still probably skeptical, but I would be respectful of your friend. That's why I asked him if he was a friend of yours. Because yeah, I could I probably would consider co- him a friend. Yes. Yeah. I would want to ask some pointed questions, but I wouldn't be a dick about it. Okay. I'd be respectful about it. But to me, I, tr- I do not throw shade at the shades because I don't want them saying, Oh, um, F around and find out Miller. We'll come to your house <laughs> and start haunting you. And I have several, I have several haunting stories from houses we've lived in in Oklahoma. One, which literally, was built next to a Native American burial site. Oh wow! So those are the hot. Those are hot. Those are hot. So we'll save that. We'll save those. Okay. That's a tease for the 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 Williams and Miller show. <laughs> that we'll do one. <laughs> what do you wanted to call it? The the like bro pod bro like. What, I what had some, I had some some I had some interesting the mod pod. But yeah, but I don't want to do that. We were talking about like the because we're kind of we try to be moderates, but then my daughter talks. She's like, "You're not a freaking moderate." I'm like, all right, I don't, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into an argument with you over what I am politically. I don't like any of the politicians. What's that make me? I, I don't Hopefully think either, sane. We've texted enough, and I don't think either one of us fit in a box. Exactly. No, we don't. We have no political island. All right. Did, so we, we we didn't really meet out the um. So so Brett McMurphy had a couple of posts this week yeah, on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, because the, the one part of this whole scenario that confuses me is the Washington, Oregon, and whoever else aspect. Because I, one thing I don't get from a Big Ten standpoint is if you knew you are going to add these schools, 
why didn't you just do it before your TV deal? Okay. That's like, a good point. The timing wise, like is where I'm kind of like, cause I'm McMurphy's really good and really connected. And I don't, I don't doubt that, but it, logically I'm trying to think through this from a calendar. Right. And I, I don't understand if the big 10 just knew they were going to add these schools, why wouldn't they have done it by now? Where do you think, what do you think happens okay. here? Occam's. All right. How surprised were you when the news dropped that USC and UCLA were going to the big 10? Not that surprised to be honest with you. Oh, you I mean, considered, I was you considered that possibility like, Oh yeah. Recently, like thinking, uh, this could happen in the next few months. Talked about it on KXNO a handful of times just because right, I, I believe I, you. All right. I the reason you. I say that, though, is because I was looking at the grant of rights and I just had a hard time thinking USC was going to sit back and be making $40 million with the Pac-12 knowing what was coming with the Big Ten and the SEC. It's the only reason I okay. had okay. tossed it around. I didn't think it would happen like that, the way it right. did at the snap of a finger. That right. shocked I I would say a lot of the world – um, was absolutely shocked when that news dropped when it did. Mainly because, dude, listen, I don't care who you are. I'm talking to you listening to this and Chris and myself. I don't care who you are. We've all been in situations where like, hey, listen, man, I got something I got to tell you, but you got to promise. You got to promise me you can't tell anyone else. We all have that person in our lives that we know is our go-to, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. That person has a go-to as well. They have someone that they trust explicitly. So I would say seven times out of 10, that that secret that you tell a friend that you know is your, your go-to, they're going to pass that on to their go-to because it's too hot to keep to yourself. Thankfully, Chris, in me, I'm one of those three out of 10 that never says another word to anybody, so you can trust me. But I think it was done so secretly that most people didn't know what happened. It had to happen on the down low, right? They knew yeah. they had to keep this down because interference, television network interference yeah, could California blow it all politics. up. Right. Cal politics, right. Any politics. So they had to do this under the cover of darkness and to their credit, they did. And if you add in discussions with Washington and Oregon, two additional States, you already, see, you already see some of the political machinations in Washington saying, well, you can't leave little brother behind. You know, we, we might. Have to they had to strike. Right. Mm -hmm, they probably mm -hmm. had Washington and Oregon in their big down the road game. There's no doubt. But they couldn't move on four teams. They felt like they could move on two that were part of the same political university structure. They were crosstown rivals. Made sense. So they do that. Now, phase two, which was already in place, was mm -hmm. Oregon and Washington. I think the Oregon and Washington things that Brent McMurphy has talked about, I think it's a dog and pony show. I think it's a going through the motions. It's like these public universities that have to go post a job for a certain number of days. Yeah. They already know who they want to hire eight times out of ten. Mm -hmm. But they got to go through the paces. To me, the Big Ten is just going through the paces and probably something to do with what you're saying. Maybe not wanting to look like the big bad bullies that destabilized college football, blah, 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 or took down a power five school. One that they had the most probably kinship with, ironically. Years ago, when I used to talk about this, I felt the Big Ten and the Pac-12 should merge um, because they were so similar collegially 
offering similar amounts of sports and access to women as well as men. But I, I think I think Oregon and Washington are absolutely going to be travel partners, if you will, with USC and UCLA. Um, and I don't know that it'll stop there. Timeline? Are you going to go there? Do you think that this happens soon? Well, I'd... Because the Pac-12 has to sign it, like... One thing I've heard from people on TV is that, like, well, how do we bid on the Pac-12? We don't know who's going to be there. Right? right. Like, in his, are Washington and Oregon going to sign, really sign away, like, seven-year grant of rights? Well, obviously, USC and UCLA are next year, right? Is it 23 or 24? Next year. 23. Yeah, next year. Okay, 23. Makes sense that you'd want Oregon and Washington to start there as well. Yeah. And with the Pac-12 potentially in discussions, um, I, I, abs- I I think that it happens before whatever deadline the Pac-12 contract has for those schools for their uh, next contract. I, I think it happens before the end of the year, actually. I think well, it happens that would in make, 2022. That would time out for the Big 12, too, if it takes those four schools. Because yep. Yep. according to our theory, Texas and Oklahoma will be going to the SEC earlier right. now. Right. What would be interesting, Chris, and I'm not in, I'm not prepared to do this. I haven't done any research on it. What is lost by the dissolution of the Pac-12? Those school, obviously, if if they still exist, they they're still, still going to have games late. Washington, Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford are all members of the AAU. What happens is those same grant and research federal dollars they get as part of their college that has nothing to do with athletics and the dollar amounts dwarf athletics. Mm-hmm. Those grant dollars are still going to go to those same universities, right? Now they get to continue to collaborate with other AAU members, which all of the Big Ten institutions except for Nebraska, are. Circle back to Nebraska. Remind me to come back to Nebraska in the Big 12 in a second. And so you're still collaborating with who you've always collaborated with. Um, I think Colorado and Arizona are AAU members, right? I don't, I think, Arizona, so. I don't think Arizona State is, but they've got a you know top 10 TV network, which isn't as important now as it was before, but it's still important. And Utah, I can't remember if Utah is or not. I mean, so the other, so the other schools, um, the other schools, yeah, maybe they're hurt somewhat, some way, somehow. But I just really, don't think losers, it's a big deal. I think Oregon I State and Washington State are probably no longer at the party. The way yes, I correct. That's it. it. They're yeah, going to go to the Mountain West, and right, and and, and Chris, better fit. Yeah, better probably. fit. Better fit for their competitive profile. Obviously, it sucks financially, and yeah. that's a big deal. And that's where the politicians get involved. But you know what? It's yeah, yeah. They're going to be the ones who are screwed here. You want to hear my All Nebraska right. thing? Did I what? Do you want to hear my Nebraska thing? Oh, I'd love this. Yeah. Did... What about Nebraska leaving the, the Big, Big Twelve, coming back to the Big Twelve? They're, they're not getting their teeth that. kicked in. It's, it, it would be a fi- it'd be too much be, of a financial loss. 
Yeah, they're not going to do that. But I would, I would take I, the most fun league I've ever watched was the old Big Eight. Could drive Agreed. every game. Agreed. I, I mean, I, we, we need smaller would, conference that are all regional. That's what right, we need. Right. I would love for Nebraska to go back. They won't because it would be finan- It'd be so stupid financially. It wouldn't happen. But frankly, I'd be fine getting their butts out of the Big Ten. They're just a they. Look, I don't need to tell any of you listening to this what they are. No, you already but know. what you what you're saying though, I was thinking about on Thursday morning, and like with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, and specifically USC going to the Big Ten, and what Nebraska has learned in the Big Ten. A lot of these Big Twelve schools, when they've left, right, they have these hierarchy wise, they're very high up in the Big Twelve because the big 12 for the longest time was like these monsters and then all the little kids. Right. Right. Well, now they're, they're going to these other leagues and you kind of have to fall in line. Like you're just in Nebraska has had to learn that. Remember during the COVID thing, they get mm-hmm. out of line and you know, and everybody kind of whoops them back into shape. You really <laughs> enter. Like I can't wait to see the first time Texas throws one of its temper tantrums in an sec meeting. Right. It's a yeah. totally different world. And USC is going to learn this too. Like you can't just walk all over everybody when you go to the big 10. Right. No, you're right. You're right. It won't happen, but I think it, I think it'd be fun. Um, okay. You were transitioning. I apologize for interrupting. No, it's all good. You're the uh, boss. I don't want to upset you on day one. About. You're good. Do you, uh, Hassel's a little bit nervous about South Dakota state. Hassel. Hassel is more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, generally speaking. Chris is a very excited. Chris Hassel is a very excitable boy. Um, now that said, he's he probably has cause to be a little nervous. I'm not, but but me saying I'm not isn't just arrogant Tavern Hawk fan coming out. I just don't. I don't know. I I don't know for the. I'm not even all that geeked up right now. I will once the kickoff happens. Maybe I've just got too many other things going on in life right now to spend a lot of gray matter being nervous about South Dakota State. But I will add this. I I don't know why you schedule anything in South Dakota or North Dakota that has a state in it. I wouldn't do that. The risk isn't worth the reward. Now, if you're you're looking for a good – honestly, if you're looking for a solid opponent – they're probably better than they're a high level Mac program. Would you disagree? Oh, absolutely. I know. I actually, I told Chris yesterday that I actually, I would rather play like one of those bad Mac teams than one of these really good Missouri Valley FCS teams. Yeah. There's, I mean, I've just seen it too many times at Iowa state and it's obviously a little bit different, but like, I mean, John, these good FCS teams, like the top five ones, their starters can play with, a lot of high major schools it's the depth correct that where they don't but the problem is when you play them on september 3rd they're all healthy and they've been preparing and they've been preparing for you that game plan for a long time because beating you in kinnick stadium you can't i mean what's that worth and and how hard is it to prepare for iowa like you know what they're gonna do like that's what makes iowa iowa you know what they're gonna do you gotta try and stop them and and with Iowa's injuries at wide receiver, Iowa may be the most Iowa it's been in a long time in week one. Because to me, 
I just don't see him getting too fancy with a couple of redshirt freshman receivers in the two deep. I mean, Iowa is an Arlen Bruce hamstring injury away from having its worst receiving core, at least on paper, unproven of my life. And that is saying something. Because Iowa's had some stanky old receiving cores. You're the guy who wrote the last decade. No wide receiver should ever go to Iowa. (laughs) I did write that column. Why would you go to Iowa unless you really love doing wind sprints? 62 snaps a game. The only benefit is 62 snaps because Iowa's offense plods around at a pace that can be clocked with the sundial. So they only run 55 to 62 plays a game. You know what? That right there is the genesis of my meh feeling right now. Normally in the past, I'd be bouncing off the walls. Can't wait for the opening kick. I got to take my daughter to something sometime between 11 and 2 o'clock on Saturday. I'm not even ticked off about it. I'm still going to watch, still going to listen, still going to break it down. Last year's offensive display may have broken something in me. It did. It broke something in me. And I don't know that it will be fixed. Maybe it will. It was so pathetically boring most all the time. And I realized this sounds really privileged that I, because Iowa still won 10 football games. They still won the Big Ten West. That's what I should be focusing on. And a lot of people, rightfully so, have taken me to task on this. But I want to be under freaking taint. I mean, that was horrible. Winning games, you know, 13 to 10, or winning games when your defense scores as many points as your offense, I'm, I got better things to do than be bored to freaking tears. Again, that's going to piss a few people off. That's fine. I can handle it. I'll still be watching, but like, you know, like Chris, I'm doing the reaction shows after Iowa games, but they're not instant reaction shows. Last year, last year broke enough in me. That, you know what, this year my daughter's going to have some volleyball games on Saturdays. I'm not missing those. I'll just tape the Iowa game. There's going to be Saturdays in the fall that I want to go golf because the weather's so nice. I can watch the Iowa game at night, turn my phone off all day. I've never felt that way before, and I think last year's offensive futility kind of broke something in me. No, you're, but you're not alone. I said all year, talking to hundreds of Iowa fans a week, it was the oddest season I think I've ever – I had two of the oddest seasons last year. It was the Iowa football year and the Iowa State basketball season because nobody saw that coming. It was just crazy. Right, right. Um, and nobody knew how to react because you're you're sitting there at like 12-0 and 0 and you're, oh, we still suck, but we're good and we're ranked in the top 10. Like nobody understood right, what the right. hell was going on. Didn't know when to Iowa's, get excited. Iowa's number two last year, and you just you knew that they were maybe a top 15 team, but they were ranked second. People were excited, but they – I never thought I would see a 10 and two Iowa team where people were so down on the program and it was just bizarre. And then you and get it, killed by Michigan and you lose the bowl game, which the bowl games are weird now. Right. Like I, I don't put nearly as much stock into those as we used to, but you're, you're definitely not alone here. If they go eight and four this year, I'm just throwing this out there, which by all standards is good for Iowa, right? Like an eight and four season is a fine, fine season. What will the reaction be? I mean, that's tough. I mean, I, I certainly You're hitting your over. Yeah, you're hitting you're, your over. I, I don't speak for the fans, never have, um, and certainly less now than ever. I I said at the I said in my reaction show to the Kentucky loss in the bowl game that um 
that was actually the, you know, some encouraging signs of life offensively. But I said that next year, which is now this coming season's Iowa team is going to be a better team, but they, their record will be worse to me. If they're eight and four and they have competency on offense, I'll be, I'll be fine with that. You know, John Budmeyer, the quarterback analyst that Iowa brought in, I think Chad Lysico of the register did a, a FOIA. He's making 16 grand a month. I don't know why I brought it up because it really doesn't matter, but it's popped into my head. So Iowa's invested some money in the quarterback position, which, hey, novel idea, good idea. And it seems like he has done some things to make an impact. First and foremost, one of the things I've heard for so many years, so many years, and then especially last year, it came up during the bull prep, which caused a firestorm, was this offense is so freaking complicated. It's complicated, mm. which is mm. shocking, right? Yeah. You know, How? To, to, to <laughs> How is that complicated? Guys, I know what you're going to do 90% yeah. of the time. It's not complicated. Right. right. I know it's run left or run but it's way <laughs> more nuanced than that. But Tight end here. You know they, they say it's they say it's more nuanced, but when you're averaging, you know, w- when you just get behind the chains all the time, and it, it's so hard, and your and your offensive scheme compresses the defense, the depth that the defense has to play, and it invites more bodies into the box. Why are you making it complicated? Why are you doing this? It sounds like, and I've been I've been critical of Iowa's passing tree routes for since I was doing sound off with Zabel. Okay, and Jim and I stopped doing that in 2012 was our last season. So that's been a decade ago, um, and Jim passed nine years ago. So I've been complaining about Iowa's route trees forever. They suck. And you know when you know you're one of their bread and butter passing plays, Chris. You know what it is? It's the waggle where it's fake play action left, quarterback boots out to the right if he's a right hander. You've got the fullback. Uh, underneath what? you got the fullback as a receiving option underneath what's that you got you got a we got tight a fullback in iowa state yeah i voted yeah. him first team all big 12 because he's the only one he's the only plays. one right 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 <laughs> then you got the tight end dragging parallel in the middle route and then you've got a receiver coming all the way across on the deep route but the thing is oftentimes the separation between those three route runners five yards and five yards or maybe 15 yards front to back at most, meaning one defender can cover multiple areas of space. Horrible route tree. Do something different. So hopefully that's if they're eight and four and they look different, they look competent on offense. That's great. If they're eight and four, though, to me, you're going to lose to Ohio State. Um, Michigan. The only reason why I feel decent about Michigan is because it just feels like one of those Kinnick games, you know? Yeah. That no, there always is. There always is. Penn game last year. I think losing at Purdue is more likely than losing at home to Michigan, and I freaking hate that. I hate that. But well, I think nine and guys. three. They got I all your players. Right now, Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones could be playing 60 snaps a game. But then again, yeah. when they transferred, everyone's losing their mind. Why are they leaving? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Both every one of these guys that plays college football thinks that they're going to play in the NFL, whether they're right or wrong, right? They believe that they're going to. Absolutely. They believe that for years. Tyrone Tracy thinks that he can. Charlie Jones thinks that he can. What's a better where, place to display your talents as a receiver? Purdue or <laughs> Iowa? Next question. <laughs>
<laughs> don't be do you have any? Don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. We used to say back in the day. Do you have any thoughts on Iowa State? Where do I we do. want to go here? I, I do. I do. I do want to ask you about Iowa State. Okay. And I actually, I'm actually excited about this because I get to maybe ask some questions that other people aren't asking, or I get to kind of ask them from a fan's perspective because. I, I actually, except for one game, I'd like to see them do well. There's people on the on the team that families that I know, and I, I think mm-hmm. Matt Campbell actually seems like a pretty cool dude. Um, I'd, I'd actually like to meet him. We um, should interview him sometime. I bet he could be on great. This yeah, that'd be yeah. fantastic. I'd love to. Um, Deckers, I obviously Purdy was good. Brock Purdy, very good football player. Made the 49ers uh, for, this week. Made the 49ers. Congratulations. To say that Deckers is going to be better than Purdy, it, do you think so? If so, well, I mean, why? I think that the word "better" can be. I think he'll be a better physical quarterback. Better get, that is up. Yeah, Where, where's he? Better, better runner, better okay. arm. Um, I think it'll be really or accurate arm. What do you mean stronger better? arm? Okay, so. accuracy is going to be hard to judge though because I think that they've. With Purdy, they were so tight end oriented in their passing game. They Inflated will not the percentage. Be... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brock was throwing seventy five percent. Well, yards per attempt could go up under Deckers, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's going to go from like seven to twelve, probably. Like I, and I this... think they're going to go downfield a lot more. So yeah, this is going to be a receiver dominated pass game and not a tight end dominated. Per two, game. that like leadership wise, Brock was very much. Um, everybody shows up. Everybody does their thing i'm gonna lead by example on the field deckers is very much a take the offensive line out for stakes slapping the running back on the ass like very much more that type of a guy yeah scores a lot of Um, points so i so again like for me for me to say that hunter deckers is going to be better than brock purdy at this point is that would be disingenuous because i've only seen him play a handful of snaps Albeit some those, pretty good ones. And those snaps came when they benched Purdy and put Deckers in against Iowa last year, which, you know. And the Oklahoma game where Brock right. went out with concussion symptoms and uh, Hunter, in the, by the second series, was playing pretty good football in that game. Where was in that Norman. game at? Was that in Norman? Okay. Yeah, right. that, that was in Norman. Norman. All right, good. Because I was going to say, you know, your your first start of your career when it's at Kinnick. But he's played Not ideal. And, Not and ideal. Norman's a, Norman's a, a, a good – place too hunter um, is um he is much more of a tim tebow type and i don't don't take that literally but like he, no they're gonna style play yeah bigger dude um he's gonna run more he has a cannon again the accuracy thing i think we're gonna need to see right like i could see him he's gonna throw more interceptions than brock did I, I don't think there's any doubt about that in my mind. Okay. But again, like it's it's hard to say because Brock was throwing a lot of these, you know, seven yards to the tight end where I just don't think they're going to do that a lot this year. So Brock Lefty Purdy team. to Jarrell Brock, um, somebody that Iowa's, Iowa was recruiting pretty strongly. Iowa gets a commitment. I think it might have been Tyler Goodson. And they said, we're good. Um, I'm not saying that Brock wouldn't have gone to Iowa State because it was he was strongly considering Iowa State. Part of me wonders, you know, is that Iowa game going to be personal? But this this kid's a freaking house. He's a physical, punishing runner. 
you know, different than, than Brees Hall, um, different than what you've seen. What do you think about him and his style with what, because to me, Matt Campbell is a, a, a coach that is very open to tweaking things around the personnel that he has and isn't as married to the system as much as Kirk Ferentz is. That's his uh, whole philosophy is players, yeah, I mean, formation, plays. He says it all the time. Right, he's right. He, he's putting the players that he has in the best chance to succeed with the skill sets they have. Last year, you talked about it. They were more tight end dominant. Fantastic tight ends, by the mm-hmm. way. Well, they, they played around that strength. This year, they're going to be stronger in other ways. I think that this team may be potentially a little more balanced, maybe a little tougher to defend if Jarrell Brock can deliver the goods the way that many people think that he can. This team, real quick, I think would have a better chance of beating Iowa. It seems like it's yeah. I just I it's just built. It. I it, last year's Cyhawk game drove me to a breaking point because I just watched them try to out Iowa. Iowa. You're, yeah, you can't. You, you want to come yeah. play phone booth football with Iowa? <laughs> no, that's what they do. Stop it! Like every time Iowa State has upset Iowa in my career. You know, they're throwing it down. They're going Purdue, right, to make it fresh for Iowa fans. They're playing like Purdue. Right. And they could have done that, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, Brock is interesting. Maybe they, Keep wanted an eye. Stand, maybe they wanted to stand up and see if they could. it was a manhood game. I don't know. Keep an eye on what? There's a young man. He's a freshman named Cartavius Norton. Look, Cartavius. He's so going Norton. to be the next great running back at Iowa State. So and I might it, be off even well, on Brock. No, I think Jirel's going to be the guy. I mean, I, you'd say who's going to lead Iowa State in rushing. I would, I would say Jirel's going to be the guy. But this Cartavius Norton came in at the spring, and you're hearing a lot of similar type of conversation that you did when David Montgomery and Brees Hall each got there. Mm-hmm. Now, I, again, mm-hmm. I don't want to put that on him because that's really high praise, two starters in the NFL right now. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts off where Jirel's getting the majority of carries and then halfway through the year – Maybe it's a committee type of deal with this Cartavius Norton. But they really, really, really like him at running back. And Campbell is notorious for kind of slow playing that. And I, I'm really interested, John, to see the game on Saturday for that reason. Like, I, SEMO sucks. This isn't Horrible. South Dakota State. They're Horrible. really bad. Um, but Iowa State has so many new guys across the board after for the last two years. Like, I mean, I, I could – sleep talk and tell you the two deep because it's just the same guys well now you've got all these new faces they like the last five recruiting classes at iowa state have been the best five in school history if i'm not mistaken so you've got this depth now you probably don't have as high end of talent you have a lot of guys go to the nfl from last year but i think you're a deeper program where and you covered iowa state long enough if they lose one guy and the starters they're screwed because they just didn't have the depth they didn't have another big 12 guy to put in there they think they got big 12 guys across the board, but the problem is we haven't seen most of them. So Saturday will be a really fun game, I think, for Iowa State fans. I'm hoping you get out to a four-touchdown lead at halftime and you can play some of these guys in the second half and really really get some reps out there. And to me, like as the football geek that I am, those are, we don't get many of those names, but those are my favorite type of games because you can be like, oh, well, that's the kid that had the offer from Memphis, or right? Like, and right, you can, right. You can really right, start to right. geek out on it. Co- that's a couple of – that's what I'm looking yeah. forward to. Hopefully. A okay. couple of things. A lot of experience in the offensive line, but I put an asterisk there. I want to know about Tyler Miller, a left tackle. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm more thinking to the Iowa State game, but uh, I want to know about Tyler Miller at left tackle. And also, you know, I heard you with Hassel's podcast. Um, you know, Jake Remsburg is a starting right tackle. He's played a lot of football for Iowa State, actually. A lot of good football. Just can't He's stay great. healthy. Um, NFL you know, guy, and I, if he and, can stay healthy. And Campbell saying that he's day-to-day, and I heard you say there's no way that he's day-to-day. No. So what's what's going on along the offensive line? Because honestly, Chris, in my time watching Iowa State, offensive line has been a problem 75% of the time. Which doesn't make any sense. In the Big 12, Iowa State should be one of those teams that is consistently good there just based off of recruiting and whatnot. The being based the on Midwest what you can option. get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bunch of hog mollies. Um, Tyler Miller is a guy who last year they had really high intentions of him playing a lot early, and he got hurt. Um, he's out most of the year, and he started the bowl game, had a really good bowl game against Clemson. So they that should be an upgrade at, at that spot on the offensive line this year if all goes to plan. Rimsburg – Goes down during camp, um, leg injury, not season-ending injury. If unless something has changed, and it's very possible, like it, it's very possible. I don't know. I'm not privy to all the injury stuff. Unless something has changed, I was told they were hopeful he would be back for Baylor to have the whole Big Twelve season, Big Twelve season, and, okay. and be good to go. So, I if I were a betting man, I would say that Rimsburg's not there against Iowa next week, which would be a huge loss for Iowa State. Uh, with this Corey Triber behind him. But again, like, think about their line last year. They had their two best tackles, both went out, Rimsburg and Sean Foster and Tyler Miller, all before basically the season had even started. They were basically playing five guards right. on the offensive line last year, and it, it, didn't, it did not go well. So that's the biggest question. I don't think we're going to learn anything against Southeast Missouri State, though. Like, if it – Iowa State should be able to play its backups and maul that team. They should. I'm I'm pulling for for Jake. I was trying to uh, real quick here pull up a, an image that I was going to share with you, but I, I can't find it, so I won't do it. Of uh, Jake Remsburg is like a I don't know five year old for Halloween. Um, I've I've been around that kid since he was a little, so I'm really rooting for him. So I wanted to I I, I was curious what your thoughts were on that. So hopefully oh, he's I Baylor. That was the in my mind last year, and last year was a pretty big letdown at seven and five when you start the season in the top ten. I thought the biggest loss of the season was Remsburg going down. He's pretty much playing really well. Yeah. I mean, I was tuning into all the games and I was start I, I pretty much focused on the snap. I watched the 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 first second at the line of scrimmage anyway. That's what I watch. And then my eyes go back towards the ball. But I start out the line of scrimmage, so I was really watching Jake. I'm like, man, he is from from the even the year before, like when he was in there, he was competent. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was executed. oh he was great in 2020. He was great. Yeah, in fact, yeah, I, when there was the injury and he had to go in there, the line got better. Yeah, they did, they did, and he he more than held his own. I think in the Iowa game, uh, or not in 2020, but the the, the next year. But at any rate, um, so defensively. Is this is Iowa State defensively where you think that this is going to be the big test? Do they have a bunch of Big Twelve guys? Because they, they lost quite a bit. They've got they've got some key pieces, you know, yeah. returning. McDonald's is you know McDonald's is a, probably an Iowa State Hall of Famer before all said and done. McDonald's going to be the you know he's the leading sack guy in the history of the Big Twelve conference. 
Um, the guy in the middle, Isaiah Lee, is solid. Um, supposedly, J.R. Singleton, the sophomore, had a really good camp. We'll see. Um, the second defensive end position, I'm a little bit more need to see a little proof there. Uh, we just don't know. We haven't seen Blake Peterson or Joey Peterson very much. Right. I think they'll be fine at linebacker. Um, the the Jerry Vaughn spot's a little bit iffy, but Orion Vance and so Colby Reader, John, just so you know, he's a transfer from New Hampshire or Delaware, okay. excuse me, the mm-hmm. Blue Hens. He comes over 6'4", 242. His brother plays for the Rams, so just won a Super Bowl. He's got like an NFL pedigree. Mm-hmm. They love him. They they actually think that he's going to slide right in and be Mike Rose. So that's a good spot. Um, and then the secondary, they really like the corners. You move Anthony Johnson, a all-Big 12 guy from corner to safety. And then you've got at the other safety spot, um, Bo Freiler, who was kind of the reason why Ashim Young left because Freiler was starting to take a lot of snaps from him. I'm fine, really, with the secondary. One spot at linebacker, I'm iffy. And the um, depth on the defensive line, their starters are totally good. I'm, I'm completely fine with their starters. Got a couple of Kansas City kids, actually, John, uh, mm-hmm. battling for playing time and Dominique Orange and Howard Brown behind Isaiah Lee. So that will be interesting to watch. But, yeah, I mean, I as long as John Haycock's there, He's I'm kind of cool with this. It's a little, you know, like I, I think they've got dudes. I We may not know a lot of them right now, but this is a system deal. Right. Offensively, I think right. that they'll move around. Defensively, it's more of a system deal. And they've got anchors, which is good. Now everybody else just has to blend together. Right. And they've got right. three games with not very complicated offenses to start the year. We'll see. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Iowa fans, if Iowa State comes out and has any struggles against SEMO, uh, just don't fall for that. Don't fall for it. We've seen it too many, <laughs> we've seen it too many times. You know, one one thing we didn't mention with Iowa, um, and I didn't mention it because to me it's like it's a given. That defense they have, I, I know that they've got there's some retooling on the back end but it's not like retooling with guys that have never seen the field. I think their front seven has a chance to be rather impregnable against the run um, as good as they've had maybe since 04. Yeah. I'm definitely not expecting the Cyhawk game to be a high scoring affair. No, no. No, no, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, we're going to have a lot more time. And, and next week's conversation will be in advance of that Cyhawk game. So we'll spend, uh, you know, the benefit of that is we will have both been able to uh, lay our eyes on both of these teams. By the way, um, how would one go about watching the Iowa State SEMO game if they wanted to? Uh, uh, that's an a Iowa fan and they didn't know how to do it. ESPN Plus. I've got that. Yeah. You just is that like, pull up the app. So, so I'll be able to watch all the Iowa State games this year, either on ESPN or ESPN Plus or what? Or Fox. You know, or Fox. Yeah. Or they'll, they'll have a lot of FS1 probably, that type of deal. But, yeah, it's, I'm set. it's standard. All right, man. Uh, that is it for us. This was uh, – you, you got anything else or are you good? It was fun first podcast. I mean, I, I think we're good. I think that I text An hour a, a week is going to go really quickly for you and it, me. It, for you and me, for sure. We, we, because we've been wanting to do this forever. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. I'll, I'll let everybody know a little bit how the sausage is made. Chris has been really antsy. Um, the last, hey, Amy, what kind of topics do you want to talk about? Can you send me some topics? Yeah. Okay, he wasn't <laughs> antsy. antsy. He, 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 he wasn't Prepping. antsy. 
And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, gosh, this will be weird. Actually having a list of topics. Yeah, you've never before had a show I start talking. Then. No, no. Show rundown consisted of maybe four or five words. And those words represented something to jog my memory as to what I wanted to talk about. It but, is just you know funny what? how we all think differently, though, because I've always been a when I'd show up for cakes and I'd have a five page rundown. Ross wouldn't do it. He would not do a minute because that's he's just a reactor. Right. Like that's, that's it. Just, yeah, that's I it. Get it. I understand. You know what? Um, if, if, if you're not a reactor and I am a reactor, one of us needs to have some structure so that they can be at their level best. But um, yeah, it's all good, man. I'm looking forward to it. Glad we're doing this. Um, and um, to all the sponsors that are coming on board early, you know what? Glad to have you here, uh, but don't sleep on it because it's going to fill up. It's going to fill up quick. I would agree. We're, we've gotten really, I knew we would get good numbers early just because, you know, the way we kind of designed this thing with the types of personalities and what, we just have a lot of reach digitally. But it, it really did blow me away, the amount of people consuming this in the first week. So clearly we are hitting a need and a want by the consumer. Um, I'll say this, and I mean this as no disrespect to either of these two gentlemen, okay? None. I respect them both. But I'm probably not going to be your standard, hey, let's let's tune into the Rose and Bloom podcast, okay? Um, it's just... It just, you know, because my genres, maybe you don't cross over with theirs, yeah. but I did uh -huh. this week. I did this. I did for their, their maiden voyage. And dude, that was fantastic. Kenny May. Kenny May. It was so entertaining. So he's, entertaining. He, he seemed so genuine. Like he's like exactly what I thought. He's a Kenny real May guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he I didn't would, let me I down would, at all. No, I would encourage if you, if you're someone that is a, a consumer of podcasts, the way that most of us are. Um, I would, I would, uh, encourage you to go to that first episode of, uh, Rose and Bloom. And I've caught you and Chris Hassel shows. I need to listen to, uh, Jared and Jabo, um, as well. I haven't I had a chance to listen to that yet. My vision for Jared and Jabo is to kind of like push us old guys. I think yeah. that they can do some things that like we wouldn't even think of and, you know, really kind of go in a different direction than the rest of these shows. So I, I think it's a really good team and really yeah, excited but, about but it. But I, but I, I threw the gauntlet down last week and guess what? There's a lot of scared people on the <laughs> Iowa everywhere staff, a lot of weak ass scared former athletes that are unwilling to compete with me. And I'm going to say it publicly. I'm going to shame them. publicly. You know, I, I said that the uh, Miller and Williams podcast, I wagered them that we, would have more show downloads in the month of September than any other show. And I gave them one to three odds with a maximum of $20 bet, meaning they bet 20. And if they win it, they get the field. It's Miller and Williams against everyone. They got the field. And if they bet 20 and they win, I pay them 60. I had to put a little limit on it because if 10 people signed <laughs> up, hmm, I'm out Get 600. All crypto. Cash out all that crypto. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not, not one person, not one, not one took me up on it. It tells me two things. They either know <laughs> it and it's a compliment. Or two, they're scared. They're I think scared. they're scared. I think they're scared. I, th I think it's both. I think they know they can't, they can't handle this smoke. 
and they don't want to embarrass themselves. So anyhow, John will have his post game thoughts on Sunday. At some point, don't bother him. It'll be up sometime Sunday. You made a good point when we talked about this, since you're the boss here. You're like, hey, I'd rather you not do an instant reaction because I would like for you to think about it. I feel and like, I'm like you know what? Now. What's that? I feel like the instant, instant reactions are tired now. Well, like, just like transcripts are tired now. I started the instant reaction show and I started transcribing coaching uh, uh, interviews in the year uh, 2000. Nobody did it then. So it's another thing that I did that everybody did. Okay. So now I'm going to do the delayed reaction podcast and that'll be the big thing next year i mean if you want that sounds egotistical it is yeah well if you want instant reaction just log on to twitter i mean everybody's instantly reacting like right right and you're right it's everyone's doing it now so i'm gonna wait i'm gonna delay which may take away some of the knee-jerk emotional reactions which people pay the big bucks to tune in for but it will i think it will be more in-depth and salient analysis so it'll be sometime on sunday John will have his, and then Ben Bruns will be doing that, reacting to Iowa State games. Ben Bruns, the person that got me to stop being an Iowa State uh, hater character. Ben oh, Bruns. man, we got to get him on and talk about ben, that. It was Ben so- Bruns. Ben Bruns, the story that Mike Kloss shared with Ben Bruns and when he committed to Iowa State and how Hawkeye fans in his hometown basically treated him like dog crap. Stop me literally in my mental tracks. And f- from that day forward, I bet I haven't made seven or eight, more than seven or eight snide comments to Iowa State fans in like seven or eight years. I'll take the over on that. You can search my Twitter feed. I challenge you. Well, yeah, but you could have gone and deleted it. Like, there's no proof of that. Do I look like somebody that does that? <laughs> I don't delete anything, son. <laughs> He's John Miller. I'm Chris Williams. Thanks for having an awesome first week with us, everyone. Enjoy the games this weekend. Iowa everywhere.